Welcome to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I am joined by my co-host. Patrick McCormick. Oh, you're not, hey, you're going higher. Hi, how are you doing? You still doing that? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing some weird shit. I got, you know, since our last recording, which was like three days ago, uh, a new microphone. And uh, I hope this sounds better. We'll find out when we listen back to it. But I'm feeling like, you know, stuff's coming together. Good. Sounds good. And tonight we are joined by our new, well, our contributing host. Micah Green. And our other contributing host, who's new to the group, to the show. Uh, this is Peter from the Midwest. Well, thanks for being here, everyone. And tonight we are here to actually react to the first two episodes of Blade Runner Black Lotus that dropped on Crunchyroll slash Adult Swim, also via the app, or if you're watching cable, or it also premiered on YouTube during the live panel with Alcon. And uh, I was able to watch the show. What was it? night before last i think it was saturday night um i watched both episodes and i think we all you guys watched them today and we're here to discuss it you can also watch it for those of you who might not have found one of those to work for you yet uh, apple uh, tv hat plus has it available for purchase um prime video has it for purchase so most of those all other services will carry it too but you just have to pay an extra fee for it but that has been an interesting experience so far has been uh finding out the you know the ways people are watching it and how they're getting to it and how they have a different experience depending on where they're watching it because as sure. people who are listening to this probably realize if you watch it you know on Adult Swim you're watching the English dub version of it or the English audio version of it and if you're watching it on Crunchyroll you're watching the Japanese version with English subtitles we watched the first episode on Adult Swim and we watched the second episode on Crunchyroll just to kind of get the full experience you know they, they were they felt actually quite different which was interesting should we get into what everybody thought of it. Let's get into it. But why did you, what, what do you mean feel different in terms of so, because yeah, of so, how so, you're, because I had the same experience, but I'm curious what you mean. Yeah. So for, for me, it was the, the, the way in which I've watched most anime in my life, which again, admittedly is not a lot because I'm not like a huge anime person has been with subtitles. So when I watched it on Crunchyroll, it felt more like I was watching a traditional anime because that's just, I'm sort of used to it and I'm used to the type of voice acting they use in a lot of, you know, Japanese animation and I'm used to sort of scanning for the subtitle on the bottom while watching. Uh, so it felt more like a traditional anime to me, whereas the English version was a little bit more kind of had to wrap my head around what it was, which was uh, which was interesting. And I think actually harder for me to get into than the Japanese uh, with the English subtitles. For, for some reason, for me, that felt more of kind of natural for the format. Um, did others have similar experiences to that? I'd say, yes, I did the exact same thing, except a little different, only in that I watched the premiere episode. Of, was it Saturday night? I think that's the same time Jamie mm-hmm. was. And then I watched the Crunchyroll episode two tonight. And I found the exact same thing in that the watching with the subtitles felt almost more comfortable in a lot of ways. And as we go on with what we thought and stuff, I thought it actually fit a little well better with the um, dialogue, having it in the subtitles and sort of the, the bursts, even just the cadence of the Japanese language being spoke, I thought sort of rolled and made the show feel a little more, I don't know how to say, but it, it flowed a little better. And I enjoyed it actually with the subtitles more. And I don't want to detract from the talented voice actors in the English version um, but I just, again, I, I, I agree with Patrick that it felt a little more home and comfortable watching that style with the subtitles. A little more homey. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. With the homies. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still processing what I think about it. I do agree with your points that it, I think that I liked the version that was in the original Japanese better, but I'm not sure also if that's just me still kind of, you know, like dipping my feet into the world that they've created. 
because I, I feel like the first episode, a lot of the time, especially since we like, it's so fresh in our minds right now. Um, it's hard for me to process exactly how I feel about it. So I don't know if it's because it was the first episode and I'm still kind of getting into the world or if it's in, in like the second episode, it seems more like it has its legs underneath it. But um, I agree. I think that the, it was really, um, I don't know if, if it was just, it was more smooth with the Japanese language and, and kind of flicking your eyes down to the subtitles real quick. Um, it, yeah, the flow was different because it, it seemed freer and it seemed, it seemed to move at a better pace than the first episode, I think, when we watched it with, in English. So yeah, still processing, but I, I agree with you guys. Jamie, how did you what, what, did you switch uh, providers? I did. Uh, so you did, yeah. Well, it's interesting because I watched it on YouTube and I was casting it YouTube or using the YouTube app on my 4K. You know, I watched the first episode and then I casted the Crunchyroll app to my 4K and it was more vibrant and it looked more photo real. And I was like, whoa, this is a whole different show. Um, and it was like, wow, this is really like a lot of moments were really beautiful and believe. I mean, there were in the first episode too, but before I get to that to, I don't really know, like, I don't know what I think about the, the English version versus, versus the Japanese version, like the Japanese version. Well, first of all, it was recorded in English and dubbed in Japanese. So they, from what, based off of our interview and what we've read this show, when they were making it, they animated their mouths to the English version. So, yeah. So and you can still in, see that in the Japanese too. You can tell, you can, which is interesting and, and not usual for anime because usually it's but the way around. Right? Honestly, the mouth movements are often either on. They're they're just kind of all over the place a little bit. But <laughs> this it the Japanese did seem a little bit smoother, I would agree. But the English, there's this weird kind of timing issue where it's like someone says dialogue, five seconds pass, and someone responds. And I'm like, it just felt like Blah, 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 blah. Talk to someone. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and it just like, and it just felt, it just didn't feel like a flow, like a normal di- normal conversation. Now, obviously, going back into my the the differences between the English and the Japanese version, the English feel the timing feels off. Now, I understand that all the dialogue was recorded in separate places, but that's normal essentially when even in non-COVID times, oftentimes they go to the actor, they record their dialogue and they throw it all together. But none of this, the dialogue just was very stilted and without character, without life. It was very not immersive. And to that end, the Japanese seemed better, but they were equally distracting to me. And still, I think I said earlier that it feels like the second episode has like kind of gotten its feet underneath it, but I still feel a little bit like, like it's trying to find out what it is at this point with what we've seen. Like it's trying to find out what it is. And I know that there's, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of like really good character building that is starting to happen. Like there's, there's starting to be some really good grounding beneath Elle's character and why she's doing what she's doing. Um, And there's also been like a lot of really great nods to the, to 2049 and to um, 2019, but I still feel a little like I'm, I'm waiting for it to really know what it is yet. Does that make sense a little bit? Like I'm waiting for it to know and like be confident about what it really wants to be and like what, what Blade Runner message it's really working on at the moment. I do feel like the second episode starts to codify that quite a bit though. Like there's a, there's a coming together in the second episode. And I think part of it is that we learn Elle's background, which who knows if that's real or not, but you know, it seems like pretty definitively that, you know, she was created as this thing to be hunted, you know, for, by rich people for sport. Uh, and that, you know, she survived that somehow and is now on the, on the run. And, uh, and so, you know, we're confronted with, so she's learning her origins, you know, in real time as we're learning them. Right. And, uh, and I, I guess something that I find refreshing about that, and I, I will say, first off, I, 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 I like this. I'm excited to watch more episodes of it. I feel like I'm sort of hitting a stride with it now. I did not like it at first. I was feeling pretty held back by, the disparity between what I was hoping it would be and what it was. And then as I watched more of it, I was like, okay, I'm going to kind of reset my, I'm going to kind of recalibrate a little bit. And I'm feeling, feeling fundamentally good about it and fundamentally happy to see where it goes from here. Um, so that's kind of getting that out there. That being said, 
Uh, I think that Elle's story is interesting because it's not about whether she is or whether she isn't. There's no conflict about, you know, like, are we going to find out at the end that she was a replicant the whole time? There's no, uh, you know, she knows she's a replicant and she's doing her duty. Is she going to, you know, divert from those duties or not? It's we are thrust into the story with a character who is just realizing who she is. And there's a lot of blanks to fill in because of that. So it's from that angle, somewhat akin obviously you know similar to rachel's moments in, in the first film or similar to Kay's, you know battling with his uh you know identity in this in the second film um you know we've seen definite you know glimpses of this elsewhere but the the arc of it about having this reveal happen early on and then kind of sticking with her for the rest of the story as she figures out okay now what does this mean for me i think is kind of interesting and that to me was where i was like okay i'm excited to see where this story goes because I'm, I'm excited to see how that plays out since i'm kind of already starting with it i can give you some more kind of high level initial thoughts and maybe go around because I, I think as I'm talking, I can, I can sense we're all kind of still processing because it's so new. I will say that the uh, the animation of the landscapes and the vehicles and everything is uh, unbelievable, like seriously gorgeous, gorgeous work. The spinners look amazing. I loved seeing that like luxury spinner that the Senator got into. I loved uh, all the Ennis tiles and everything. I loved going back into the Bradbury building. I loved the way that the, you know, LA cityscape felt. I think a lot of the ways, you know, with CG animation, of course, they're relying not just on like traditional sort of drawn techniques, but on a lot of algorithms to be able to populate certain, the ways in which things morph and interact with the physical environment. And so from that angle, like the way the rain falls, that looks amazing. The way the smoke billows out of the spinners, the steam rather as they land that looks incredible a lot of the things that are like you know algorithmically driven like that to me look amazing i think the character models are still a hurdle for me i'm going to say that out loud i think that i am getting better about it and i think that like it's not bothering me the way it was in the first episode i i'm excited to go back to the first episode now that i've gotten more used to it and kind of give it a chance um but for me that was a big thing that i knew i was going to have to get over based on the trailers and the footage that we saw and that I feel like I am starting to. How I'm doing that is by uh, not necessarily focusing on this being photorealistic, because it's not, but focusing on, on like, this is the style of that they chose and that they landed upon for this. So I'm gonna like kind of watch it as that style. That said, uh, I still wish that the characters look different. I just do. I fundamentally do. I don't, I don't think that the characters look and move. I think they move pretty well, but I think their faces don't. Um, I'm thinking that like, I'm hoping that I'm going to get used to that. We have a lot more episodes to go, so I'm sure, you know, we'll get somewhat more used to it, but that, that to me is kind of an early hurdle still. I think the music is really good. Actually. I'm really enjoying the soundtrack to it. You know, it's not, uh, it's not this groundbreaking in the way that the film's music uh, is, but it's totally feels like on point to me. Obviously there's the pop music, you know, intros and outros and things that are feel a little bit disjunct and a little more directly anime. I don't, actually have a big issue with that personally I, I think that that intro music I've, I've liked it since the first time we heard it I think that's really really cool does it feel like Blade Runner or not I don't know but um it feels like Blade Runner anime to me so that's pretty cool um and I think that the way that they have the in the in uh episode music the incidental music and the soundtrack scoring I think works pretty well for the context I think um what I'm mostly missing is the the ways that the characters are acting don't feel organic to me. And I think that is partly from what Jamie was talking about and what others have said already tonight about timing, feeling kind of strange and kind of stilted and a little bit like sort of video game cutscenes. And that's something that this show will just have to get over for people. If it does, if it wants to succeed is that it has to not feel like video game cutscenes. And so far a lot of it does. And that's, that's a problem, but the moments that don't to me, feel really successful and really interesting. And I have to say, everything else aside, I'm already feeling invested to some degree in L. I'm investing, I'm invested, you know, in uh, Doc Badger, getting to see him again was great. I think that's really cool seeing this young version of him sort of, you know, prowling around in the city. That was really cool. Um, I obviously have a shitload of questions about Wallace and what the hell's going on with that situation um, that I'm excited to find out more about because he's an old man with eyesight in this movie for some reason in this show rather. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling oh, senior though. So, so it, so is that, so is that his son? Yeah. Neander Wallace to? is the emo, the Japanese guy. That, that's oh. Neander Wallace jr. Yeah. Oh. It is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. In the Japanese version, because I was kind of waiting to hear the, the voice acting to confirm that or not. So that's interesting. That was founded by his father. Very interesting. I see. Um, I well, also did not get that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked about it after the show. We were trying to figure out if that was who that was supposed to be. And I was like, I don't think so. Because he looks he looks pretty clearly Japanese in this. And that feels kind of like, you know, mm. but who knows? Um, yeah. Interesting. Intrigued. Obviously, there's things that I am not like over the moon about, but I think, you know, I, I might get there. You know what I am over the moon about? The introduction is awesome. Mm. Just like those cut scenes of the city. I really, really like um, the close up of the eye with the scan that goes through and it has the replicant reflection, the red um, reflected coming back at you. I love the opening. I think it's very cool. I wish that, I mean, I'm still processing, like I said before, I wish that the show felt more like that. I think if it captured a little bit more of that sort of intrigue and um, I don't know, I feel like it's a little darker and it's a little dirtier than the rest of the show is turning out to be. But yeah, I think the intro is great. I love seeing the figure that looks like a Blade Runner walking toward the camera in the mist, like all of that. And the spinners, of course, like you said, Patrick, they look so good. Um, and the neon lights and the advertisements and everything. So that's one thing. I mean, that's one thing that I'm really, really into. And I feel like they just nailed it. The intro. It's good. It gets me so excited about what I'm about to see. I do want to watch both episodes again. Um, I agree hundred percent with you, Jamie, with the timing, even in the Japanese version, it feels like it's still trying to like, uh, we don't really know what we're saying here yet, but, um, um, another thing that I kind of liked also, I'm kind of just listing things that I've liked because they're like kind of coming to me at the moment. One thing that I think is really, really well done is the movement, the physical movement of the human and replicant bodies, like the way they walk, the way in the fight, um, in the ring, the way that they're fighting and the way that they stagger. And that, that feels like a step up in terms of, um, anime animation that I've seen. And like Patrick, I'm not a huge anime person, but I've seen some and like the way that they move is remarkable. It looks good. Don't, don't let Micah get away with not coming across like a huge Pokemon nerd tonight. <laughs> let me tell you, she knows I way more about Pokemon them, than me. Right? Yeah. And then, and then like, as Pokemon stuff comes out, Micah's like, Oh, I don't even like what no Pokemon. And then she's like, that's the wrong mutation for the third stage of Charodex. I'm like, what the fuck? How do you, she, 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 she might not be a big anime person, but she's a Pokemon. I had person. a book when I was in fourth grade and I like to draw them. Okay. <laughs> They're very cute. They're kind of following the format that, that Patrick set up for us here, just in sort of the, the hitting the notes, and then we can kind of decide what to draw from for sort of the, the second half of the, the conversation. My sort of notebook, sort of like Micah 2, would list as, as follows. One, I think part of the sort of maybe the slow start to this episode, in fact, um, I think is a benefit or shows some good credence to the show in that, I still remember coming out of 2049 after seeing it for the first time. It was close to Thanksgiving. I saw it quite late in its release. Um, and I remember coming out of it and meeting friends at a bar late that night and having trouble speaking because I was still so wrapped up in what was going on and almost still sort of occupying that space in 2049 that I just, I, I think... I don't know if people thought I was drinking too much or it, it was just <laughs> physically hard for me to process what was going on in front of me. Cause I was still back there. And I think some of that happened tonight on episode two. And I think the, the, that's a, that's a good thing. I I'm still processing and trying to figure out where I was, what I was doing, what I saw and almost not as if, you know, you, you think you're still there, but still, I think part of the slowness in getting going here is trying to figure out, like Micah said, processing what we saw and experienced. So I think that's a good thing because that is an effect that Blade Runner has always had on me. Um, another really good thing, again, I think, as everyone said, the design, um, it was really fun seeing sort of that limo, black car, um, spinner. Um, the character rendering, yes, it's very difficult still for me to process that, especially in stark contrast to what they're walking through. In some of those scenes, you can see there's great caretaking and getting rain and mist and humidity on a windshield. 
But then when you go through the windshield and get to the character's face, it's like, well, where'd all that go? And again, I think that's probably the difficulty in sort of making that more dynamic. I don't know. But then at the same time, it did hit certain times. I really am interested, um, and it might be my my love of Kay and that character. Um, I'm really interested in that in the Davis character. And I thought a lot of the renderings of her face actually looked almost like it was an entirely different show, especially when she was in her spinner and the police lights are reflecting off the glass and on her face. I just thought, whoa, if they could do that with every face. So I think it's there. And I don't know if it's sort of a pilot, like when you watch the first pilot of any episode, the recording looks weird, the sets look weird, the color is off. And maybe that's what happened in this episode. And now episode two is a little more representative of what the series is going to look like. And they just didn't put the time and as much effort into the first one and not to detract from that, but just in a normal pilot fashion here, we got to get this out. And that's why it feels a little more video game cutscene. So I think there's a lot there. Um, just a couple more criticism points to it or actually benefit. And I really like Patrick, what you were saying about kind of trying to teach ourselves how to watch this. I think again, with 2049, it was easy and almost dehabilitating to watch it for its entire runtime and have spent that much time there where it's almost like, but I think it's just as jarring to only spend 23 to 22 minutes in the world too. And it take you out. It's definitely not enough time. And to watch this in episodes is very hard because just as I was sort of sitting down and being like, okay, ah, it was over. And wait, huh? you, you want to see more. So I think, but I think that has to do with what Patrick's saying, which is teaching ourselves to watch this. This is different. And I, I, I jumped a lot on what you were saying about the character of Elle. And it's sort of almost as Eugene described in the interview, it's almost like dropping her into this Blade Runner universe. And it's hard to see a character like her and both her physical movements, her fighting style, her sort of just actions seem different than the universe around her, but maybe that's something we need to learn. And sort of the higher level thinking of it is I do find it extremely interesting. The thing that they're starting about how it's a replicant with sort of no memories installed, no routines installed, no life installed other than just you are this physical vessel. I find that very interesting and I'd like to see what they do. I'm not that interested in the having her just as a sport because it also just, well, I'll, I'll stop soon, but just so again, I think a big um, portion of this is a lot what Patrick was hitting on, which is we're really going to have to teach ourselves how to watch this. And I think maybe when that all clicks and we learn and adapt to it a little more, it'll click more with us, but there's definitely stuff they have to do, but I, I'm going to pass it because there's a couple other things to talk about, but I think that'll come up more later. So that's sort of my quick notes on it. Before I begin, first of all, I like to love everything. I think all of you, certainly you, Patrick, you know that I just, I want to sit down and I want to love everything. And it's hard, especially certainly as we have an alien podcast and we talk about things that we might not like in a universe that we love, you know, that's can always be hard. And there's a way that I engage entertainment. Um, that's very specific. And it uh, most of the time it does not demand me. Well, there's certain, I think there are certain things or films or shows that demands things from you, that demand you engage more. It demands you to think harder. It demands you to open yourself up a little bit and what's here. And those are good demands. Um, it's asking things of you, which is different than what we're talking about tonight, where it's like, well, we got to get used to this. Oh, this is just kind of the way it is. That for me is foreign. It's hard for me to do, to say, you got to get used to this not this not looking good. You've got to get used to this not working as well as it should, because this is just it. Can I make peace with it and say, well, okay, sure. Will I convince, and I'm not obviously saying that you guys are saying, or you, Patrick, specifically are saying like, get used to it because after a while, we'll think it's good. I don't think that you're saying that. But for me, even when I can, and I want to go into the show, I'm just trying to kind of preface this because I don't like feeling this way. I don't like feeling critical about something, a world that I love, you know, and we had Eugene 
on the show and he was fantastic and he excited us and he was exciting and he had really great things. Um, and so going into the show, I, number one, everyone's saying this, the world looks beautiful. It just really does. The, it's photo real, certainly episode two. There's moments when uh, I, I would imagine she was a female Blade Runner, the black woman, she gets out of her car, she's in her car. There were moments where photo real, she looked photo real. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing work. And they're just hints and then they're moments. And then, you know, we'll, we'll go to a different scene, but the world that they built, the sets that they built digitally, the texture, the rain, everything, the smoke, the spinners, everything you guys mentioned is absolutely amazing. And I don't want to belabor a point. The characters are not. The characters are. And to your point, Peter, it was like, why did you spend so much time on the backgrounds and not as much time on the characters? And that was something, this is something that's been jarring to me. Also, a big, huge thing for me has been the sound design in LA. To your point that you made earlier, Patrick, I like the music too. I don't love it. I think it works. I think it sets a good tone, but there's none of that sirens going, none of that. Like there's a moment you see a geisha on the you see her quite often. You never hear her. You never hear her do that, whatever she does in Blade Runner. So the sound design that we're so used to in the first two films is absent from this. And that's really hard for me to get immersed in a world. Also, because if you're going to want, if you're only holding me for 22 minutes, you better really immerse me in this world. And they're not, at least for me. And again, maybe things will change as they go on. So I don't want to like make comments on the story. I don't know enough about the story to really know, is this good or is this bad or is this somewhere in between or whatever. The lack of sound design for LA is something that is alarming to me just because I feel like Blade Runner is a symphony and every, the symphony has its parts. 2049 in the original film, it's a symphony. So the, the sound design informs the story as much as Deckard does, as much as the spinner does, as much as LA does. They all work together to make this beautiful symphony that is singular to Blade Runner. Black Lotus is not doing that right now. Black Lotus looks like LA. It doesn't sound like LA. I don't hear anything too much. Even when she's on the street, it should be like, it should be almost overbearing just in terms of the ambience and maybe people yelling, like all of those things that we can probably recite moment for moment in Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. And part of me thinks like, oh, is the bite, is the bar too high? Like, what am I expecting too much out of this? No, right? Like, shouldn't I expect this? Shouldn't I expect them to immerse me in the same world? I should. But at the same time, I also don't want to get ahead of myself and be like, we've only seen two episodes, Jamie. Let's give it some time. And I'm totally willing to do that. There was just, and we've discussed this before, Patrick, and probably all of us have discussed this, where one domino starts falling because something isn't working. The next one falls too. Um, and I just feel like that with this show for now, that it's like, ah. Okay, there's some interesting things, but generally I don't feel like it's Blade Runner. A lot of the dialogue, like for instance, I've been watching Arcane on Netflix. Have you guys been watching that show? Oh my God, is it amazing. CGI, animation, very different. I'm sure they have 10 times the budget Crunchyroll had for sure, but it's an immersive world. It's like a sci-fi fantasy, whatever. It's a very immersive world when the characters are together there. You feel, I don't feel like I'm watching CGI animation. I feel like I'm watching a, a, a movie. It feels completely immersive. Granted, they're 45-minute episodes, so you have longer to be in that world. I don't want to fully compare because you, you can do that maybe a little bit. But what I'm after is I feel like I'm in a story, and right now I don't feel like I'm in a story. I feel like it's a series of scenes where it's like, what is this thing? Who are you? Where do I go? Can you help me? That's the dialogue, you know, like, I know what you are. You were made last week. I don't feel like it's a story right now. And I don't want to, I feel bad saying any of this stuff, but I, I just feel like I have to be honest. And maybe three episodes from now, three more episodes from now, I'll be like, holy shit, this is amazing. But right now it's, it's working against itself. And I don't think that the writing is very good. And I don't think there's enough there to really... Yeah, I'll just stop there for now because I feel terrible. I do. Like, I don't want to feel this way, but I do. I just, I just, I think I come at this as a writer, as someone who works on character, as someone who knows that making a strong female character does not mean you give her a weapon. It does not mean she beats people up. It does not mean she curses. That's not what strong female characters are. Strong female characters are just strong characters and they're characters because of strength of heart, 
strength of mind, and they forge on to do the right thing. Kay was not cool because he had a gun. Kay was not cool because he flew a spinner. Kay was cool because he did the right thing in the face of so much adversity. And maybe L will be there, but I think the construct of who L is, is I have issue with because we've seen her so many times in other media. Um, so I'll leave it there for now. I think I think part of it too. I think what I think what Patrick was hitting on first that really struck me and what I was trying to explain too. It's not so much getting used to it and having to make excuses at this point. I feel it's just it's a new way of of them telling a story in Blade Runner, and it's hard because it means so much to us in so many different ways that it's hard to let someone else do it in this sort of format. Um, and I really like your point again about the symphony. And I feel like at this point, they're just sort of letting one instrument play at a time. And I don't know that they're trying to do that, but I'm just hoping again, that they all sort of get together. I feel like right now they're really centered in, can someone, does anyone remember again, when this is set? Is this post blackout? Yeah. 2032. Cause that keeps, that's what's confusing to me right now is it, it seems like a very thriving 2019 and not a post blackout 2019. It seems odd that there'd be this sort of organized crime in a sense. I feel like people, the costuming in this, everyone's in nice shiny clothes. Those boxers, there's everything looked well laundered <laughs> um, and not really lived in. Um, I think they've done a great job of showing the shiny and the rain and that, but it doesn't 20 where 2019 goes to 2049. It seems the population decreases the quality of the landscape degenerates. And here it seems almost like there's more people than 2019. It seems more thriving and more like a sense of a society and there's senators running around and organized sporting events of course underground but that's what's sort of jarring to me is i kept forgetting where this was and what time frame it was set because it doesn't seem that sparse it doesn't seem that desolate it seems actually kind of nice and more like a present day setting than even 2019 did um i agree with jamie a lot on the sound design um i do really like the i, I guess patrick you could maybe talk about or make a comment on the difference between sound design and then the actual songs that are playing is that the soundtrack versus sound design yeah yeah okay so because the music that's playing along that we hear in the background is very 2049 it has sort of seems like they have the same keyboard and they're hitting the same i don't know if it's an e or whatever it is but it just seems like it's wah wah and you're like 2049 but then with the 2019 background um but I think what they're trying to do is just evoke those emotions, get us invested in what we know from before. And now they're going to tell something else. At least that's what I'm really hoping for. Again, sort of like, um, again, Patrick, what you're saying, it seems like they've dropped this new character. It's a blank slate replicant and sort of see how that goes. I'm excited to see where it goes. I think they're just sort of getting their feet, but there's, if this was all there was and all that we saw, I, there's a lot to be desired. And I just really hope we do, do see it. And there's one more thing or two that I want to talk about Neander, but let's kind of keep it passing around. I'm going to just quickly say, I agree. I'm, I think I'm in the same place that you are, Jamie, where um, I just, and, and somewhat you too, Patrick, you had said like you have these expectations and, and you as well, Peter, you said we, we all love this world so much that we really can't help, but, ask a lot from people who, who say that they're going to make a Blade Runner film or a Blade Runner show. And I said this about the trailer that came out and it's going back to what you said, Peter, it's not, it's not very dirty. It's, it's, it's much cleaner. Like even when she was lost and trying to find her way back to what she somehow remembers was her home. Like I would say like, that kind of looks a little bit like a, like New York right now. Like it's, it's not great, you know, like it's dirty. There's a lot of people, there's homeless people, but it's not like, like LA, especially post blackout LA in this universe should, it seems like the acid rain should be like really, really having an effect, especially if we're going to get to where we got to in 2049, there are 
like you said, Peter, if your people, they're dirtier, they're poorer, they're all huddled together in these big hubs and they're all like bombarded with advertisements. And we're not even really bombarded with advertisements. We get to see the geisha, but there's like, usually when we watch a Blade Runner film, it's like when, when they're outside, there's just constant advertising, which is such a cool motif to have. And it's such like, it's like part of the character of the city. When I watch a Blade Runner film, I always remember that the city is the char- uh, character as well. And that's almost like its voice, like the people yelling, like you said, Jamie, the people, um, the cars beeping at each other, the spinners landing and taking off. And it's just not very loud and it's not very dirty. And part of that might be why I'm like still sitting here at the surface, like waiting to be brought in. Um, I really want to be brought in. I do. And I really, I'm going to stay positive and open to being brought in. But as of right now, like you said, Peter, if that was it, I would have some issue with it. I also think that the banister scene where uh, spoiler alert, he doesn't really make it. I thought like, I thought maybe that might've been too early because <laughs> I think it had potential to be such a cool thing where she would have to accept that she's a replicant. And she doesn't know that she's a replicant. She even argues that she's a human. But it's like, okay, like, I want to be more heartbroken for you that you're finding out that you're this replicant made to be hunted, but I don't, because I don't know you yet. So I'm, I'm wondering, like, that felt a little early for a scene that could have packed such an emotional punch and it, it didn't quite hit it for me. But I, I mean, there's a lot of really cool things. Like, I, I, I would say the fight styles are really cool, especially L's quick and spinny one. And, um, I want to see more, I want to see more like utilitarian style come from Davis, the, the cop, the blade runner. Um, cause right now they're looking a little similar. Um, but I want to see, like, I want to see how Elle's fighting style com- and where it comes from. Like maybe she was designed as part of her programming to be kind of harder to kill. So like, it would be a greater sport for them because she seems to just be able to take everybody down right away. Um, so the fighting style, I like it. I want to see it change in different characters and I hope that we get to see that. Yeah, I, I agree with basically everything everybody's said so far. I, th- I think what I'm trying to really keep in mind is that we are seeing basically like one tenth of this thing at the moment. So there really is a lot of room for growth and for change in it. So I, I guess you know, Eugene had a, a good point when he was on. He was like, you know, if you don't if you don't like it at first, just, you know, stay with it. And before you like officially, you know, come out with how you feel about it personally, you know, wait till the end of the series. And, and that that's sort of the way that I'm approaching it a little bit. I, I have to say when I watch anything, and this is just being totally upfront, when I watch anything anime, I have this like big hurdle to get over. And, and that's just, I'm just not, it's not like the art form that I seek you know? So when something anime does speak to me, something like the Castlevania series did, or, uh, you know, something like, uh, you know, I, I guess like Totoro and, and, you know, the, the, those films, um, I'm so tired. I can't even think of, uh, what the hell's his name? there you go. Ghibli. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Miyazaki films and things like, like those, those speak to me kind of no matter what, cause I think they sort of transcend some of the stylistic things that I have to get over, but I'm, I get distracted by anime conventions a lot. So, I'm watching this knowing that about myself and and knowing that I have to like hold myself back from looking at it like it's tr- like a like a the western entertainment that I'm very used to seeing um knowing that it's something that you know is much more sort of cross cultural than that and you know that I might not be picking up on a lot of things that are I'm intended to be picked up on but there are things in this that I think no matter what are not good and and one of them I think Peter is what you're getting at with the timeline where there are some references to the time period, right? We see the Wallace headquarters under construction. That was a really cool moment. Um, other than that, I, I mean, I don't know if there, there's, there's, there aren't really other references to what time period this is taking place in. I, I feel like there's this kind of fake out moment that I, I actually like with, with what seems like it's going to be JF Sebastian. Um, mm. I don't know. Th- did you both, did you all kind yeah, of feel like I did. Like, and yeah. then I was like, oh yeah, it's, he's dead. He's dead. Right. <laughs> oh, right. <Never laughs> mind. It, it, it took me a minute to, like, to get that. But again, but again, I, I wasn't even like thinking about the timeline. So it, it didn't even occur to me until you're saying that now that of course that wouldn't make sense because he would have been dead by this point because I, because I'm watching the movie, not like it's 2032 because the, the movie that we're seeing is not 10 years post blackout, right? The blackout was in a lot of ways, similar to the Butlerian Jihad and the Dune series, right? It, it was like a 
a cataclysm. Like that fucked everything up for a long time. And the reason why 2049 looks the way it does, like that is a society that has been building itself back up from that point for 30 years, mm-hmm. 35 When's years. The blackout is what year? 2022. 2022. Yeah. 2022. Okay. So next so year. years before. Good times. Yeah. Next year. Yeah. That's, next that's year. the next no, I mean, 10 years before in the show. Right. 10 years right, before right. this show yeah. is supposed to be set. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mike is saying next year in our time. I'm saying next year Which, in our timeline. Who given knows? the way the 2020s are going, who fucking knows at this point? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but the blackout, you know, was, was like I was saying, it's a cataclysm that it took them up until 2049 to get society looking the way it does in 2049, which is desolate, which is empty, which is fucked up, which still has advertising in it. But the advertising is like, it, it's, it's so jaundiced, you know, it's like barely even noticeable because everything's nobody's even paying attention to it anymore. Right. Um, it's like aggressive, right? Like the joy advertising is like frightening in it because like the, mm-hmm. nobody's buying anything anymore because it's like a collapsed environment, right? Whereas in 2019, it's this celebratory, you know, almost like a bazaar, right? Where the marketing is just everywhere and it's just explosive and it's just, and it's vibrant and it's, you know, chaotic. We, we get that vibrant, chaotic advertising in this movie, which takes place in the, basically in the immediate aftermath. I mean, 10 years is a long time, but not in the span of, you know, history, um, of that blackout event. And it looks like 2019, but cleaner than 2019. That is a, that's a big problem. And I found myself trying to justify that a lot during the first episode being like, well, maybe we're just kind of seeing one chunk or like one slice of the city. That's really, you know, wealthy, but I don't think that's what I think we're seeing. I think now two episodes in, we see the LA that we're dealing with and the LA that we're dealing with, it looks like the blackout didn't happen, which is going to have some issues, I think for the story, because if we're going to buy into the blackout, then we're gonna have to buy into that. You know, for example, that MMA match that takes place, right? Like, so that's so. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. I don't want to. I do like the idea. I, that, I, I do like the idea that those are replicants doing the fighting. So do I. Sure. Like why isn't it executed. dirtier? Like, why yeah, are they in the clean? Yeah, and clean why is it a hand fight? Right? It why should, it, yeah. should be. Why are their it should hairs be frightening. Like, like their yeah. hairs look great. They look manicured. The guy has a manicured goatee. Why isn't he like? I hate to say, it, but why yeah. isn't he like a gladiator? Just well, like get out here and go fight. Yeah, yeah, it's in it's in a a well defined space with a yeah. well defined ring. I mean, I I you guys talking is bringing me to like a scene from Snatch where you got Brad Pitt fighting in like a pig pen or something. Like yeah. these guys should be in a bombed out space or just in the middle of the street doing this, not in a well defined club where there's bouncers on the outside and. It, that's I I, I agree right. It was too commercial feeling. It's the biggest. Me. It's it feels too organized. It feels too clean, and this is parlaying then into what I'm really hoping doesn't happen. But I'm also really interested. I'll preface it like this. Right now, it seems like it's moving too fast. Micah, I think, really hit on a great point of why all of a sudden for, for her to just go from a replicant. The fact that she even knows what that is, despite losing her memory, is odd. And then jumping to, no, I'm human. There's, there's no, there's no weight to that. There's no gravitas to her to having to fight that in her own head. But my only sort of hope, or I think the the positive spin on this would be, if they're getting through this part so quickly, what are they going to get into? Because it yeah. can't be the story of L anymore on episode three, because we just, unless Patrick's correct and sort of your thought of, is this not true? But to me, it's sort of quick get through L because we've got bigger stuff that we want to get into. We just need to establish her again, maybe as this empty vessel, maybe as this sort of template for whatever. I mean, my thought to her is almost, she's sort of a, a, a prototypical love. And just again, like Micah mentioned her fighting style, her ferocity. Um, and I enjoy that. But I really hope that that's what's going on, that they just need to get through her story really quick because there's so much bigger, better stuff they do. But I'm going to just put a little note card on this. And Eugene, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Neander and both Kay and Neander are the characters to me that just really hit me a lot in 2049. And just I I don't want to know his backstory. I don't want to know how he lost his vision. I don't want to know that he had a dad. I don't want to find out some of this stuff that's just the big questions that are so fun to talk about we're going to lose whole episodes on the show just as a proprietary concern (laughs) of talking about neander if all of a sudden we learned everything about him Mm -hmm. but so that's sort of 
part of my concern, but it was fun seeing him. It was fun sort of seeing some of that stuff. But again, I, I just hope that the big questions that are getting to aren't character backstory to then get us to 49. Like I, I hope it's a, a contained story. I hope it doesn't go there. And again, just my last little note of all that is, I mean, my favorite thing about Neander and thinking about his character whether he truly is a supervillain or a superhero or just a, a, a God, an Old Testament God, New Testament God, what is he is the whole solution of the hunger problem. And his sort of claim to fame is he finds this solution and then builds society by now having these protein farms and finding a way to feed this. Well, right now, everything's everyone seems just fine. Everyone's going to noodle bars. Everyone's there's plenty of food on the street and at restaurants. I don't, when is this famine going to happen that I always assumed happened with the blackout? Um, Again, that that might be just my own head canon that has, it's not for me to maintain that story if someone else wants to tell it, but there's some big gaps here that they may be feeling too quickly. And I hope they don't fill it in ways that are just so hard to now deal with. My final thought maybe on it is I am excited for it. I am excited for learning sort of a a new way to watch Blade Runner in that I find it very difficult sometimes to watch 2049. I've probably watched it the least out of anyone on this show tonight and probably most of the fans in general, because for me to watch it is has to be an event. I can't put it on. It's not a background movie. It's not something I can lightly tread into. If I'm going to do it, there's going to be some self-exploration. There's going to be tears. There's going to be new ways to watch it. There's going to be self-discovery. It's, it's a hard thing to do, but that's not always fun. And it's, for me, it's sort of alien versus aliens. Alien, I mean, even just now, I've been watching it for a week because I don't want to get through it too quick because I like being in each of these scenes. Where aliens, I love to watch it. I'll watch just one scene from it and that's enough. And it, this could be really fun to have a light, quick Blade Runner fix when you need it. I feel like Blade Runner, I'm not going to sit through 2049. I'm not going to watch the whole final director's cut of 2019. I'm just going to throw this on. And I think that's where this place could really fit well and just have a fun beers, friends, Blade Runner. So, but don't mess with the other ones. <laughs> it's sort of the part. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. I think that needs to be a t-shirt. Be yeah, his sounds, friends, Blade Runner. It sounds like a, like Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Battle Galactica. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I guess my, my closing thoughts for this, because I, I feel like it's, I, I also don't want to go too deeply into just the first two episodes, because I, I feel like it's kind of being unfair to the format of the show a little bit. But my my sort of closing thoughts would be that, you know, the so the famine, you're absolutely right, Peter, is a big deal. But that that it's already seven years in the past by this point. That was 2025. So and then in 2035, I think, is that Nexus Dawn or was that 2036? 2036 Nexus Dawn was a short, um, you know, we see Wallace then. And that those are kind of our touch points for what Wallace is up to before the events of 2049 that we have so far. So by this point, you know, Wallace if he's not in charge of the company, if it's his father in charge of the company, then like Wallace must've been a scientist at the company who developed this protein source or something there. It's going to be interesting to see if any of that still makes sense when they're done with this. I'm sure it will. The, the thing that's important to remember is that Alcon, who is the, you know, the gatekeeper, not in a pejorative sense, but in the actual meaning of the word of the canon of the franchise, meaning that they have people on staff whose job it is to maintain the canon of the franchise. They're, they're co-creating this show with all the rest of the staff. So like, they're not playing fast and loose with it. That being said, there could be executional things happening here that are mistakes, right? I do think that the look of the city is a mistake, but it might've been a mistake they made intentionally because they want to market this to an anime audience. And because anime is so influenced by Blade Runner a lot of the time, that anime looks like the Blade Runner that we're used to at this point. So if there's going to be a Blade Runner anime, then it's going to have to look like an anime Blade Runner, right? And and so there could be there could that. So when I say things like I want but to it give it a chance, look like an anime Blade Runner. You don't think so? No, not at all. In what way? Like what do you mean? Uh, I Ghost in the Shell looks more like Blade Runner than this does for mm-hmm. now. For now, yeah. um, just because. There are moments in when she's on the street and she's bumping into people. None of those people are in the costumes that we're, see- we're used to seeing. They're all just kind of in these nondescript 
pants and shoes. Almost like business and, suits. Yeah. And then you go into the Wallace Corporation and it's like 1942. And yeah. it's like this world is being informed by prior decades. It is not 1942. And I went into the, when you go into the Wallace, you're like, wait a minute, where are we? What is this place? Like, why are these people, why does this just look like John Doe going home after a long day's work and, you know, and Jane Doe in her skirt and like, what, what is this world? This is not like, I I was really like people, are, someone's not doing their homework here because the, the, the characters weren't all just the incidental characters on the street or in Wallace Tower. They weren't even dressed the way that we would see them dressed in 2019 or 2049. And if we're not at those markers, then we're in some way and we're someplace in the middle. They should still reflect that middle, but they're not. Um, even L, the way L's dressed, is kind of like she's dressed like a high school girl going to cheer cheerleading practice. It's, it's strange. It's strange. Yeah. It just, it really jarred me. And the Neander Wallace, like being that emo teenager on the couch, like pulled me right out of it, right out of it. Like, I was like, this is a self-made man. This is 17 years before 2049. And he's sitting on his daddy's couch, like all defeated. No way. He is out there. He is powerful. He, I have a hard time with that. I really do. By the end of the show, enough of it works. These conversations won't matter. Right. Like that's what happens. We love something so much. A lot of this stuff falls away and we're like, holy shit. If they land it, oftentimes it's the landing. If they get that landing, this won't even matter. So I'm completely open to that, but there's so much. I feel like right now that I was like, are you, were you guys even paying attention? Did you even watch those movies? Do you even know that this is post blackout? Do you even realize that this doesn't even look like the LA in any of those films? And I don't want to like sound so harsh, but I, I just, it feels transgressive. It feels transgressive to me for now. I don't think that's the word you're looking for. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Just transgressive to the world that Blade Runner, that Denis Villeneuve and Ridley Scott built. It feels just some of the things that I'm saying, it feels transgressive to that. It feels like you weren't paying attention to the details and the details really matter. But again, I don't want to like slam my fist down. Oh, that's it. I'm done. Cause I'm not, I'm interested to see where they're going. It's going to be a hard sell for me from now on though. It really is. So we'll see. I agree to be a continued. little bit. Yeah. I want to, I want to be, I want to be made wrong. I'm open to it too. Me too. I would like, I would like to be, like, ah, oh, man, remember that time when I said I didn't really like this? That was stupid because they went <laughs> this way. So I'm, I'm really hoping for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, like you said, real quick, I didn't, I didn't know that that was Neander Wallace sitting on the couch. I really didn't. I hope that we get to see that his mind was doing things and like his mind was doing some workings during that go game on the couch with his dad. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it right now, at least, if it, it feels a little bit like. We have Blade Runner 2019, and then there's a straight line that goes to 2049 with all of these shorts in between that we got to see before 2049 came out. And all of those felt like they were on this line. Mm -hmm. And at least for me right now, Black Lotus is kind of veering off of that line. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe like you're saying, Peter, like this is someone else's take on Blade Runner and it's fresh and it's new and it's trying to appeal to someone else, like to a different audience. And um I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just gonna be different. It's gonna be its own thing, and and we'll just have to see. And just yeah, briefly on, the, on oh, that point, just just super briefly. Um, yeah. you know, on Crunchyroll, there's comments on the episodes, and I opened them up, and there were many comments from people saying, you know, I've never seen the Blade Runner movies before, but if they're mm-hmm, anything like mm-hmm. this, I'm gonna check them out. So at the end of the day, this could bring a lot more people into the into the franchise. You know, yeah, That'd be great. Peter, go ahead. No, I I did the same thing. I saw the comments. I was expecting some harsher or some just sort of internet trolling and stuff. But no, a lot of people said, hey, I've never, I've heard of Brave Runner. I've never seen the movies. This looks cool. Or I'm really in. They got me. And I think, I think there's different ways to look at it. Again, I I think it's a lot like, um, I don't know if I said it as as well as Micah did, but I think it's, it's a, and Patrick, you're saying it's a good entry point. I think if it, if it connects some people and brings some people in, that'd be great. Um, I think they've, you know, sort of just sort of leaving those questions. I think there's two really interesting points. The last kind of bit of my notes here are one, they mentioned something about an assembly line. Mm-hmm. And so if people want to go back and listen to that shoulder over Ryan episode, where you guys talk a lot about sort of the, the physicality and the manufacturing of replicants, I wonder if they're going to go into that. I wonder if they're going to show sort of a factory, but again, I, 
things like that start to put a, a, a period on things that I don't like. I don't, I, I like how it's odd that in 2049, the, the, the newborn comes out of a, a bag and seems like a, a, a almost an, an artisanal replicant, if you will, of, <laughs> you know, that it, it's time she was aged properly and then, you know, created not from an assembly line like this maybe suggests. And I, and sort of, I thought it was interesting that there was some reference and I, want to go back and watch it now the second episode but the, the wallace senior mentioned something about neander's work in memories or his research on memories or something so you know maybe at this point the replicant you know l she's a vessel she's unstable and now that's going to lead to why they get someone like staline or he starts subtracting out but again me personally i don't want to see that i don't want to know that i don't want to see the job interview with dr staline I don't want to see Neander getting his eye scratched out by a cat. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't want to see these origin stories for some of these characters. So I hope it doesn't go there and I'd like to see what it does. So, but I, I, I'm enjoying it again. I, I think it's going to be a, a fun new way to approach the series, something to throw on for just that quick Blade Runner fix. So I don't have to, uh, you know, set aside three hours and an extra hour to deal with watching, you know, a Blade Runner movie. So we'll see. We'll see indeed. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope for the best. I, I am interested to see what happens next. I do. I feel horrible that I feel this ugh, about it, but I hope that changes. I you hope. shouldn't feel horrible about that. I do though. The way I you do. Feel, you know? Just because I know who's listening also. Um, and that's part of it. Like, I don't like, I want to love it, but you know, but I hope. Don't, don't self-censor yourself because these are the people, this is what they needs to know. There's, there's a lot of passion here. And I think Jamie, uh, you know, especially three of you are some of the most passionate people people who have bared their souls on episodes who have cried together and there's real heart and emotion invested in this. And if someone else is going to come play with it, let them know that <laughs> how it's working, because, you know, I think, you know, you can't sort of pander to the powers that be in, in who may be listening to. I mean, this is how, this is the first reaction. Like Micah said, yep. maybe we're all going to be like, oh, we're such idiots. Right. This is amazing. I can't believe <laughs> I so. it. I yeah. And, and that's, I a, that's so. really important to remember. And, and it's very rare that we're in this position because on our shows, we're, we're never uh, at the beginning of an, I mean, with the comics we were, right? That was, that was an, a, a taste of like having an ongoing serialized format to talk about. Where with the comics though, so far, for both shows, it's been pretty unanimously well-received for the most part, at least the storytelling has been on both the Alien ongoing Marvel series now and, of course, the Dark Horse series before that, uh, and also the Titan comics, which are masterful um, and which, to me, feel completely established within that timeline and completely speaking to it. Uh, you know, we know that those comics were influential on the creators of the show because that came up, you know, when we talked to them. We also know, though, things, for example, like from Alcon themselves, that one of the, you know, red lines you can't cross, you can't talk about the ways that replicants are produced in, in any of these media things that they're attached to. So hopefully the senator was just making kind of a metaphorical joke or something, right? When he said, like, you're hot off the assembly line. Um I'm trusting in that. But if, but if, for example, if we find that replicants do come from an assembly line in this series, then like I am unfortunately going to be just really negative, I think, for the rest of this. Like I, I'm at a point now where I can very easily go either way because I don't know what I'm thinking exactly. And I know that I'm putting most of my effort at this point into optimism and into trying to like give it a chance and trying to trying to like make sure that I'm not getting in the way of myself with all of my sort of expectations for things. Um, but I know that like, I'm going to hit a point at some point during this, where I'm going to know how I feel about it in a more definitive way. And, and I, I, I just really hope that for many of us that we get to that point and we go like, okay, this is good. Okay. I'm fucking on board. And we totally could still have that because again, we've only seen a tip of the iceberg and, uh, and we know a lot of really passionate, talented people have been involved in this and we know that they know how important it is. And, um, hopefully we'll get to see it, you know? Yeah. yeah hopefully I'll want to get another tattoo. <laughs> it, you can get the black lotus on your back <laughs> i need to find another spot although that, didn't you think it was interesting when right when she goes down the alley for the first major fight when she's remembering what happens you see her eyes glow like she's a, a terminator <gasps> and then she starts fighting it's like no she's not really a robot but it's very robotic very interesting at any rate we should end this. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back again to cover the next episode or two. I think they're dropping two a week. Um, I'm not positive, but I think so. 
over six weeks, something like that. Uh, but we will be back again. Thank you for listening. If you want to support the show, go to bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support. Sign up for $4 a month. All your money goes back into the show, fees, hosting, merchandise, live events, all that kind of thing. Thank you for listening. Thank you. And we have a lot of Patreon shout outs to do that we're going to do when we have a little more time to do it. But a lot of you who have joined recently are incredible and we can't wait to formally recognize you on these shows. If you would like to find out more about Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com. If you would like to support the show via Patreon, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support. Thank you.